Hi, my name is Josh Vader, and I'm the Director of Education at the New London Barn Playhouse. Twelfth Night, the podcast, is presented in part thanks to Bar Harbor Bank and Trust and Mount Royal Academy. In lieu of buying a ticket for this performance, we ask that those of you who are able, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to the barn in support of our education programming. Please visit nlbarn.org slash children's theater to make your donation today. Welcome to Twelfth Night, the podcast, presented by the New London Barn Playhouse in New London, New Hampshire. My name is Andrew Miller, and I have the privilege of being a producer for this podcast series. Under normal circumstances, the staff of the barn gathers every summer to produce a series of plays and musicals for its audience, including a children's theater series that is designed and performed by our own junior intern company. This dedicated group of young performers, ages 12 through 18, were sadly not able to rehearse their five-show season this year. Normally, that season includes an outdoor performance of a Shakespeare play. But the Shakespeare show must go on. So this podcast was born. Brittany Sue Hines here, the education associate at the barn. A quick note about the production of this podcast. Our company of young actors recorded their performances remotely on their laptops and computers from their homes all over the country and beyond, rather than in professional sound studios. They made use of the technology around them. No professional mics or soundproof booths. We tell you this so that you know, the sound quality in some portions might be a little different than what you're used to. Hi, I'm Desiree Zarati, and I'm the Junior Intern Program Manager at The Barn. Here's what's next in the Junior Intern season. All Grown Up, an original play, will stream live on Thursday, July 30th. Our online musical, The Pirates of Penzance, will debut Friday, August 21st. Check out our website, nlbarn.org, for more information. Enjoy the show! Twelfth Night, the podcast. Presented by the New London Barn Playhouse Junior Intern Company. Episode 1, A Barful Strife. Act 1, Scene 1, Duke Orsino's Palace. Enter Orsino and Curio. If music be the food of love, play on. Give me access of it, that surfeiting the appetite may sicken and so die. That strain again, it had a dying fall. Oh, it came o'er my ear like the sweet south that breathes upon a bank of violets stealing and giving odor. Enough, no more. Tis not so sweet now as it was before. Will you go hunt, my lord? What, Curio? The heart. Why, so I do, the noblest that I have. Oh, when mine eyes did see Olivia first, methought she purged the air of pestilence. That instant was I turned into a heart, and my desires, like fell and cruel hounds, ere since pursue me. Enter Valentine. How now, what news from her? So please, my lord. I might not be admitted, but from her handmaid do return this answer. 
the element itself till seven years heat shall not behold her face at ample view but like a cloister she will veil and walk and water once a day her ch her chamber round with eye-offending brine <clears throat> all this to season a brother's dead love which she would keep fresh and lasting in her sad remembrance <laughs> oh she that hath the heart of that fine frame to pay the debt of love but to a brother away before me to sweet beds of flowers Love thoughts lie rich when canopied with bowers. Act 1, Scene 2, The Seacoast. Enter Viola and a captain. What country, friend, is this? This is Lyria, lady. And what should I do in Illyria? My brother, he is in Elysium. Perchance he is not drowned. What think you, sailor? It is perchance that you yourself were saved. Oh, my poor brother, and so perchance may he be. True, madam, and to comfort you with chance, assure yourself, after our ship did split, and you and those poor numbers saved with you hung on our driving boat, I saw your brother, most provident in peril, bind himself to a strong mast that lived upon the sea. I saw him hold acquaintance with the waves, so long as I could see. For saying so, there's gold. Knowest thou this country? Aye, madam. Well, for I was bred and born not three hours' travel from this very place. Who governs here? A noble duke, in nature as in name. What is the name? Orsino. Orsino. I have heard my father name him. He was a bachelor then. And so is now, or was so very late. For but a month ago I went from hence, and then twas fresh in murmur. As you know, what great ones do, the less will prattle of, that he did seek the love of fair Olivia. What's she? A virtuous maid, the daughter of a count, that died some twelve months since, in leaving her in the protection of his son, her brother, who shortly also died, for whose dear love they say she hath abjured the company in sight of men. Oh, that I served that lady, and might not be delivered to the world, till I had made mine own occasion mellow, what my estate is. That were hard to compass, because she will admit no kind of suit. No, not the Duke's. I pray thee, and I'll pay thee bounteously. Conceal me what I am, and be my aid for such disguise as haply shall become the form of my intent. I'll serve this Duke. Thou shalt present me as a boy to him. It may be worth thy pains, for I can sing and speak to him in many sorts of music that will allow me very worth his service. What else may hap to time I will commit. Only shape thou thy silence to my wit. Be you his servant, and your mute I'll be. When my tongue blabs, and let mine eyes not see. I thank thee. Lead me on. Act 1, Scene 3, Olivia's House. Enter Sir Toby Belch and Mariah. What a plague means my niece to take the death of her brother thus. I am sure cares an enemy to life. By my troth, Sir Toby, you must come in earlier, O night. Your cousin, my lady, takes great exceptions to your ill hours. Why, let her accept before accepted. Aye, but you must confine yourself within the modest limits of order. I heard my lady talk of it yesterday, and of a foolish knight that you brought in one night here to be her wooer. Who? Sir Andrew Eggucheek? Aye, he. 
Why, he has 3,000 ducats a year. Aye, it'll have but a year in all these ducats. He's a very fool and a prodigal. Fie that you'll say so. He plays all the viol de gamboys and speaks three or four languages, word for word, without book, and hath all the good gifts of nature. He hath indeed, almost natural, for besides that he's a fool, he's a great quarreler. Tis thought among the prudent he would quickly have the gift of a grave. What wench, Castellano Volgo? For here comes Sir Andrew Eggyface. Enter Sir Andrew. Sir Toby Belch. How now, Sir Toby Belch? Sweet Sir Andrew. Bless you, fair shrew. And you too, sir. Accost, Sir Andrew, accost. What's that? My niece's chambermaid. Good mistress, accost. I desire better acquaintance. My name is Mary, sir. Good mistress, Mary Acost. Fare you well, gentlemen. And thou let part so, Sir Andrew, what thou mightest never draw sword again. And you part so, mistress, I would, I might, never draw sword again. Fair lady, do you think you have fools in hand? Sir, I have not you by the hand. Mary, but you shall have. And here's my hand. Mary, now I let go your hand. I am barren. Oh, knight, when did I see thee so put down? Never in your life, I think. <sighs> Methinks, sometimes, I have no more wit than a Christian or an ordinary man has. But I am a great eater of beef, and I believe that does harm to my wit. No question. I'll ride home tomorrow, Sir Toby. Pourquoi, my dear knight? Sir Toby, your niece will not be seen, or if she be, it's four to one. She'll none of me. The Count himself, here hard by woos her. She'll none of the Count. She'll not match above her degree, neither in estate, years, nor wit. I have heard her swear it. Tut, there's life in it, man. I'll stay a month longer. I am a fellow of the strangest mind in the world. Shall we set about some revels? What shall we do else? Were we not born under Taurus? Taurus? That sides in heart. No, sir, it is legs and thighs. Let me see thee caper. Hey, ha, ho, 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 oh, oh, I am a nice. robot, oh, I am a caveman. Oh, higher. Oh, oh, whoa, oh whoa, yeah, whoa. Hey, excellent. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, oh man. Ooh, ha. Oh, nice <laughs> one. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. Act 1, Scene 4, Duke Orsino's Palace. Enter Viola disguised as Cesario and Valentine. If the Duke continue these favors toward you, Cesario, you are like to be much advanced. He hath known you but three days, and already you are no stranger. You either fear his humor or my negligence that you call and question the continuance of his love. Is he inconstant, sir, in his favors? No, believe me. I thank you. Here comes the count. Enter Duke Orsino, Curio, and attendants. Who saw Cesario? Oh! On your attendance, my lord, here. Cesario, thou knowest no less but all. I have unclasped to thee the book even of my secret soul. 
Therefore, good youth, address thy gate unto her. Be not denied access. Stand at her doors, and tell them there thy fixed foot shall grow till thou have audience. Sure, my noble lord. If she be so abandoned to her sorrow as it is spoke, she never will admit me. Be clamorous, and leap all civil bounds, rather than make unprofited return. Say I do speak with her, my lord. What then? Oh, then unfold the passion of my love. Surprise her with discourse of my dear faith. It shall become thee well to act my woes. She will attend it better in thy youth than in annuncios of more grave aspect. I think not so, my lord. Dear lad, believe it, for they shall yet belie thy happy years that say thou art a man. Diana's lip is not more smooth and rubious. Thy small pipe is as the maiden's organ, shrill and sound, and all is semblative a woman's part. I know thy constellation is right apt for this affair. Prosper well in this, and thou shalt live as freely as thy lord to call his fortunes thine. I'll do my best to woo your lady. Yet a barful strife, where I woo, myself would be his wife. Act One, Scene Five, Olivia's House. Enter Mariah and Festy. Nay, either tell me where thou hast been, or I will not open my lips so wide as a bristle may enter on way of thy excuse. My lady will hang me for thy absence. Let her hang me. He that has been hanged needs to fear no colors. Make that good. He shall see none to fear. A good Lenten answer. I can tell thee where that saying was born, I fear no colors. Where, good Mistress Mary? In the wars. And that may you be bold to say in your foolery. Well, God give them wisdom that have it, and those that are fools, let them use their talents. Peace, you rogue. No more of that. Here comes my lady. Make your excuse wisely, you were best. Wit, and it be thy will, put me into good fooling. Enter Olivia with Malvolio. God bless thee, lady. Take the fool away. Do you not hear, fellows? Take away the lady. Sir, I bade them take away you. Miss Prisian in the highest degree. Lady, cuculus non facit monacum. That's as much to say as I were not motley in my brain. Good Madonna, give me leave to prove you a fool. Can you do it? Dexteriously, good Madonna. Make your proof. I must catechize you for it, Madonna. Good my mouse of virtue, answer me. Well, sir, for want of other idleness, I'll bide your proof. Good Madonna, why mournest thou? Good fool, for my brother's death. I think his soul is in hell, Madonna. I know his soul is in heaven, fool. The more fool, Madonna, to mourn for your brother's soul being in heaven. Take away the fool, gentlemen. What think you of this fool, Malvolio? Doth he not mend? Yes, and shall do till the pangs of death shake him. Infirmity that decays the wise doth ever make the better fool. God send you, sir, a speedy infirmity, for the better increasing your folly. Sir Toby will be sworn that I am no fox, but he will not pass his word for two pence that you are no fool. How say you to that, Malvolio? Oh, I marvel your ladyship takes delight in such a barren rascal. I saw him put down the other day with an ordinary fool that has no more brain than a stone. Look you now, he's out of his guard already. Unless you laugh and minister occasion to him, he is gagged. Enter Mariah. Madam, there is at the gate a young gentleman, much desires to speak with you. From the Count Orsino, is it? I know not, madam. Tis a fair young man and well attended. 
who of my people hold him in delay? Sir Toby, madam, your kinsman. Oh, fetch him off, I pray you. He speaks nothing but madman. Fie on him. Go you, Malvolio. If it be a suit from the Count, I am sick or not at home. What do you will to dismiss it? Now you see, sir, how your fooling grows old and people dislike it. Thou hast spoke for us, Madonna, as if thy eldest son should be a fool, whose skull Jove cram with brains. Enter Malvolio. Madam, yon young fellow swears he will speak with you. I told him you were sick. He takes on him to understand so much, and therefore comes to speak with you. I told him you were asleep. He seems to have a foreknowledge of that too, and therefore comes to speak with you. What is to be said to him, lady? He's fortified against any denial. Tell him he shall not speak with me. Has been told so, and he says he'll stand at your door like a sheriff's post and be the supporter to a bench, but he'll speak with you. What kind of man is he? Why, of mankind? What manner of man? A very ill manner. He'll speak with you, will you or no? Of what personage and years is he? Not yet old enough for a man, nor young enough for a boy. As a squash is, before tis a peace god, or a codling, when tis almost an apple. Tis with him in standing water, between boy and man. Let him approach. Call in my gentlewoman. Gentlewoman, my lady calls. Enter Mariah. Give me my veil. Come, throw it o'er my face. We'll once more hear Orsino's embassy. Enter Viola, disguised as Cesario. The honorable lady of the house, which is she? Speak to me, I shall answer for her, your will. Most radiant, exquisite, and unmatchable beauty. I pray you, tell me if this be the lady of the house, for I never saw her. I would be loath to cast away my speech, for, besides that it is excellently well penned, I have taken great pains to con it. Whence came you, sir? I can say little more than I have studied, and that question's out of my part. Good gentle one, give me modest assurance if you be the lady of the house, that I may proceed in my speech. If I do not usurp myself, I am. Most certain, if you are she, you do usurp yourself, for what is yours to bestow is not yours to reserve. But this is from my commission. I will on with my speech in your praise, and then show you the heart of the message. Come to what is important, and I forgive you the praise. Alas, I took great pains to study it, and tis poetical. It is the more like to be feigned. I pray you keep it in. I heard you were saucy at my gates, and allowed your approach, rather to wonder at you than to hear you. If you be not mad, be gone. If you have reason, be brief. Tis not that time of moon with me to make one in so skipping a dialogue. Will you hoist sail, sir? Here lies your way. No, good swabber, I am to hull here a little longer. Sweet lady, tell me your mind. I am a messenger. Sure you have some hideous matter to deliver when the courtesy of it is so fearful. Speak your office. It alone concerns your ear. I bring no overture of war, no taxation of homage. I hold the olive in my hand. My words are as full of peace as matter. Yet you began rudely. The rudeness that hath appeared in me have I learned from my entertainment. 
What I am and what I would are secret, to your ears divinity, to any other's profanation. Give us the place alone. We will hear this divinity. Now, sir, what is your text? Most sweet lady. A comfortable doctrine, and much may be said of it. Have you no more to say? Good madam, let me see your face. Have you any commission from your lord to negotiate with my face? You are now out of your text. But we will draw the curtain and show you the picture. Look you, sir, such a one eye was this present. Is it not well done? Excellently done, if God did all. Tis in grain, sir, twill endure wind and weather. Tis beauty truly blent, whose red and white nature's own sweet cunning hand laid on. Lady, you are the cruelest she alive if you will lead these graces to the grave and leave the world no copy. Your lord does know my mind. I cannot love him. He might have took his answer long ago. If I did love you in my master's flame, with such a suffering, such a deadly life, in your denial I would find no sense. I would not understand it. Why? What would you? Make me a willow cabin at your gate, and call upon my soul within the house. Halloo your name to the reverberate hills, and make the babbling gossip of the air cry out, Olivia! Oh, you should not rest between the elements of air and earth, but you should pity me. You might do much. What is your parentage? Above my fortunes, yet my state is well. I am a gentleman. Get you to your lord. I cannot love him, let him send no more. Unless, perchance, you come to me again to tell me how he takes it. Fare you well. I thank you for your pains. Spend this for me. I am no feed-post, lady. Keep your purse. My master, not myself, lacks recompense. Love make his heart a flint that you shall love, and let your fervor, like my master's, be placed in contempt. Farewell, fair cruelty. What is your parentage? Above my fortunes, yet my state is well. I am a gentleman. I'll be sworn thou art. Thy tongue, thy face, thy limbs, actions, and spirit do give thee fivefold blazon. Not too fast, soft, soft. Even so quickly may one catch the plague. Methinks I feel this youth's perfections with an invisible and subtle stealth to creep in at mine eyes. Well, let it be. What home, Avolio? Here, madam, at your service. Run after that same peevish messenger, the county's man. He left this ring behind him, would I or not. Tell him all none of it. Desire him not to flatter with his lord, nor hold him up with hopes. I am not for him. If that youth will come this way tomorrow, I'll give him reasons for it. Hi thee, Malvolio. Madam, I will. I do I know not what, and fear to find mine eye too great a flatterer for my mind. Fate, show thy force ourselves we do not owe. What is decreed must be, and be this so. Act 2, Scene 1, The Seacoast Enter Antonio and Sebastian. Will you stay no longer, nor will you not that I go with you? By your patience, no. My stars shine darkly over me. 
The malignancy of my fate might perhaps distemper yours. Therefore, I shall crave of you your leave that I may bear my evils alone. Let me know of whither you are bound. No sooth, sir. My determinate voyage is mere extravagancy. But I perceive in you so excellent a touch of modesty that you will not extort from me what I am willing to keep in. Therefore, it charges me in manners the rather to express myself. You must know of me then, Antonio. My name is Sebastian, which I called Rodrigo. My father was that Sebastian of Messaline, whom I know you have heard of. He left behind him myself and a sister, both born in an hour. If the heavens had been pleased, would we had so ended. But you, sir, altered that. For some hour before you took me from the breach of the sea was my sister drowned. Pardon me, sir, your bad entertainment. Oh, good Antonio, forgive me your trouble. If you will not murder me for my love, let me be your servant. If you will not undo what you have done, that is, kill him whom you have recovered, desire it not. I am bound to the Count of Sino's court. Farewell. The gentleness of all the gods go with thee. I have many enemies in Orsino's court, else would I very shortly see thee there. But, come what may, I do adore thee so, that danger shall seem sport, and I will go. Act 2, Scene 2, A Streak. Enter Viola, disguised as Cesario, Malvolio following. Were not you even now with the Countess Olivia? Even now, sir. On a moderate pace, I have since arrived but hither. She returns this ring to you, sir. You might have saved me my pains to have taken it away yourself. She adds, moreover, that you should put your lord into a desperate assurance she will none of him. And one thing more, that you be never so hardy to come again in his affairs, unless it be to report your lord's taking of this. Receive it so. She took the ring of me. I'll none of it. Come, sir, you peevishly threw it to her, and her will is it should be so returned. If it be worth stooping for, there it lies in your eye. If not, be it his that finds it. I left no ring with her. What means this lady? Fortune forbid my outside have not charmed her. She loves me, sure. The cunning of her passion invites me in this churlish messenger. None of my lord's ring? Why, he sent her none. I am the man. If it be so, as tis, poor lady, she were better love a dream. How will this fadge? My master loves her dearly, and I, poor monster, fond as much on him, and she, mistaken, seems to dote on me. What will become of this? As I am man, my state is desperate for my master's love. As I am woman, now alas the day, what thriftless sigh shall poor Olivia breathe? Oh, time, thou must untangle this, not I. It is too hard a knot for me to untie. Twelfth Night the Podcast is presented by the New London Barn Playhouse. Executive producers for the New London Barn Playhouse are Keith Coughlin, Elliot Cunningham, and Josh Fader. Producers for Twelfth Night the Podcast are Alexander Crosby, Brittany Sue Hines, Andrew Miller, and Desiree Zarati. Our production assistant is Abby Sweet. 
Our theme music was composed by Alexander Crosby. Original music by Alexander Crosby. Our sound engineers are TJ Guffey and Alexander Crosby. This episode of the podcast includes performances by Eden Ann Bauer, Lila Eve Bauer, Bailey Carmody, Mason Christensen, Katie Davis, Sophie Davis, Zoe Davis, Nora Falcone, Jonathan Glidewell, Eli Hoffer, Maya Kerr, Robin McDonald, Krish Mishra, Katie Nowicki, Elizabeth Packard, Eva Rue, Josh Sherman, Aaron Smith, Emmett Smith, and Molly Smith. Special thanks to Kathleen Mulligan and Jonathan Miller 